Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Hey, what's happening out there in internet land? It's Brian House here for Housework, and this is Work For It, episode number eight. And we've labeled this one called Drinks on the House, and uh, we're doing a little bit of something different. As always, I am joined right here in the studio with my main man, Trent. Howdy, folks. And uh, we're we're sitting around. I'm not actually in the studio right now. I'm actually at home. And because this episode, we wanted to try something a little bit different. And also, Trent, I have a surprise for you. I hope I like it. It's a good surprise. All right. And uh, it's actually a surprise guest. Ooh. Right. Somebody is, is joining us here. Is it the, the missus? It is the missus. Sarah, awesome. will you say hello, please? You got to get closer to the mic there. Hello. 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 Hi there. I've, I've heard quite a bit about you. Oh, boy. No, all good. All good. Well, I've been listening to you, and uh, I was pretty excited to finally meet you. Well, ditto here. Cool. So Sarah is joining us because we are doing a, uh, a this is going to be a little bit of a, to- a different topic than what we've normally talk about on uh, work for it. And it, and we're yes, it, 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 as you can hear, Trent is sipping on something and I will s- soon be sipping on something as well. We are uh, both having some cocktails and we're going to be talking about food how we like to prepare it how we like to eat it and um it's interesting because craig lockwood and the guys over at knife talk they are doing a cook-along we kind of came up with this idea um uh, to to talk about food before i even knew about their cook-along so it kind of goes hand in hand with those guys and what they're up to so if you haven't listened to the knife talk podcast it's also on the makery network go out and listen to that because they talk all about what they're going to be doing and then Go on Instagram and follow the Knife Talk podcast uh, Instagram feed because in the stories, they're doing kind of a competition where they're they're cooking pizza. And Jeff is already sort of, uh, you know, of course, Jeff right out of the gate comes out with a, a great looking pizza. So anyhow, they're doing like a uh, they'll do a poll at the end and whatever. But we're not actually going to cook anything today. I'm actually going to pop a bottle of wine. And uh, while I'm doing that, Trent, why don't you tell us a little bit about what what are you drinking uh, this evening? What what's what's uh, what are you sipping on? Well, my guess is that Brian and Sarah have gone upscale with their choice of drink. However, I've gone a little more. Uh, that was the pop of the bottle, by the I way. I heard that. Yeah. I'm going a little more dive bar. So I made something that I like to call a creamsicle, which is uh, your vodka of choice. Uh, what is sucked. your vodka of choice? Uh, 
Well, normally it's uh, uh, yeah. Now, of course, I can't remember. Svedka. Svedka. Uh, it's is a it Swedish Rush? Swedish oh, vodka. Swedish. Okay. Um, but this is either Stoli or I don't know one of those cheap uh, plastic bottle ones because it was the only thing I had left on the shelf. Uh, but okay. it's it's vodka. It is uh, your favorite orange soda. This just happened to be sun-kissed Interesting. Uh, heavy cream and uh, some ice. And it ta- I would imagine it tastes like a creamsicle. Tastes exactly like a creamsicle. And so, like, how many of those do you drink? Is that like a one-off thing? You can only really drink one? Well. I could drink 12 of those right yeah, now. I, I, <laughs> I, I typically, I start off with a quote-unquote normal. Uh, and then by the time I'm done... Half the glass is vodka and half the glass is... Uh, oh, the ratio change. Yeah, the ratio changes. So the, it turns into rocket fuel yeah, after a little bit. The, the problem is I'm, I'm, I have a high tolerance and uh, a high tolerance. Fortunately, I, I don't, I'm not a, a practicing uh, member anymore, but... Uh, a practicing member of what? <laughs> of uh, Drinks Are Us. <laughs> maintaining ah. the tolerance. Ah, <laughs> yeah. I see. Yes. See that that that's one of the the. <laughs> it's one of the proud vices of the military. We can drink, and uh, we we make it our duty to to try to drink the bar dry. I've hung out with my fair share of military men, and that's typically the case. Uh, yes, this, uh, and it and it doesn't seem to be any shortage of you know brawling and and ball busting and everything else that goes along with it, which is always a good time. I, I don't mind the ball busting. I try to avoid the brawling anymore because I've kind of gotten an old man's attitude about it. Like I don't want to fight, but if you make me fight, I'm I'm gonna make you pay for it. Yeah. And so I just don't want to be in that position anymore. Yeah, I hear you. It's alcohol is one of those things that. Uh, in my family too it was like a kind of a no-no uh, on my dad's side we have a lot of uh, people who um, well, I shouldn't say a lot but there's a quite a few people that have had trouble with alcohol and um, so growing up my dad just didn't drink I mean we, I just very rarely ever saw him have a have a beer now he's a beer and wine guy you know he'll mm-hmm. have a cocktail with me and stuff like that so it, it's kind of cool that uh, we get a chance to do that and he usually keeps a pretty nice wine cellar stocked up sarah's parents also keep a very nice wine cellar stocked up and and they got us into wine and um i i've always liked wine i didn't fully understand you know the different nuances i knew what i liked and i knew what i didn't like you know i, I had a kind of a set uh, scale for things but we got an opportunity to go meet with uh, Semonier and sit with them and did a how many bottles of wine was that that night? That was like seven or eight. I thought it was more. Yeah, it could have been more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't remember much from that night, but uh, we we got a chance to sample all these different wines and um, and then Mike, uh, who was the Semonier at the time, uh, he explained a whole lot of. Uh, a lot of the different ways to taste wine and you know or or even not even just taste it but like sense wine smell it and all of that so i got very sucked into the process of drinking wine so now i'm a i'm a regular wine drinker and you made wine for a while i did make wine for a while and i want to go back to making wine 
and eliminate the bottling. Nice. Just drink right out of the bucket? Right out of the bucket. No, no, no. (laughs) I I actually want to try my hand at kegging wine. And yeah. I know that sounds odd, but I have no. a, I have a home kegerator that I built uh, a few years you're, ago. You're one step away with that. You're one step away from homemade brandy. Uh, true. Yes, you can make brandy that way, and uh, and I there's a whole slew of people that are uh, doing this now, where they they make their own wine. They don't bottle it. They they put it under a real light pressure of CO2, just enough to allow it to be tapped so you know you can uh uh, you know just like any beer you would be able to Mm -hmm. pour it into a cup and uh and that's it so it doesn't sparkle or anything there's no carbonation unless of course you want to force that you can um my the downside i think to that is i can't seem to make anything that tastes as good as even some of the cheaper wines that i drink so i it's i don't know i want to experiment with it but it's it's you know, it's on the list of are you, stuff. Are I you doing? Do. Are you doing fruit wines or are you doing grape wine? Well, for what I have in my keyser right now is hard ciders. So nice. I have. Um, I got into uh, brewing and fermenting real cheap apple juice from Sam's Club mm-hmm. and using uh, bentonite to clear it and mm-hmm. uh, and all of that. And then, you know, of course, the different types you can use. There's a, a whole bunch of different types of uh, fermentation processes for hard cider. Uh, I've, I've come up with a real easy one, a real easy recipe. Um, and then you can add anything you want to it when you keg it. So if you want it like Christmassy, you can add uh, cinnamon sticks and cranberry juice. Oh, uh, like, to a, kind of like a mulled it. cider. Yes, yes. Nice, very it nice. was really good. Yeah, I got a lot of people really drunk on you that did. stuff <laughs> numerous times. See, that's what I do is I make uh, it. The wife's mom calls it medicine. But so you just take mm, Everclear. Mm-hmm. And then you take your fruit oh, of choice and you Lord. put it in a mason jar and then you add as much sugar as fruit. So like if it's two yep. cups of fruit, you add two cups of sugar and then you just uh, pour the Everclear over it and you seal it up and you put it in the back of the fridge for at least a month. And then what you can do is you can filter off the fruit and you have uh, flavored like homemade shine. It's not really shine, but what Does I the like sugar to do, ferment and break down or because you're refrigerating it, I wouldn't think it would. Yeah, it, would it just, just it just helps even out some of the, you know, because some fruit, some fruit is sweeter than others. Uh, plus, it makes it kind of more of a liqueur. OK, because what I like to do is after I've I've drained and filtered the alcohol off, I'll I'll re I'll put that back in another mason jar and then I take the fruit and I like to make milkshakes out of it. Oh my oh. god. So yeah. it's like it's like an alcoholic milkshake. Yes. Oh. 0 to 60 in no yeah. time flat. Yeah, cuz you don't taste it at that point. Yeah. The other edible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But then, and, but then you have like whatever like we have flathead cherries up here and Colorado peaches oh. and I'll go up on the mountain and I've got my favorite berry patches so we've got uh, raspberries, wild raspberries, and wild strawberries, which are incredibly hard because they're about the size of the the tip of your pinky finger, and so you need a huge, huge amount to to make, do anything worthwhile with them. But they are the naturally, they are the the sweetest naturally occurring fruit you'll ever find. Like each one is just this this starburst of flavor in your mouth. 
And where do you find these at? Like if you were to you, be, you find them in Wyoming, I assume. Yeah. In Wyoming. Um, what I've always wanted to do, but because I've, I've got more sense than uh, desire is uh, we've got up by uh, great falls. There's the uh, huckleberry uh, field over kind of by uh, what they call it. Glacier national park. And so you can go in and pick your own huckleberries, which are just mountain blue, uh, mountain blueberries. But I don't really like competing with uh, black bears or brown bears yeah. for uh, fruit. So I try to. I usually pick mine just a little early because I just don't like dealing with those guys when they're uh, when they're uh, foraging for their winter spread. So do you go, you, you say like maybe go up the mountain just a little bit and then. Yeah, you have to. Yeah. The, you got to find the right altitude, I would assume. Yeah. Right? Most of that is alpine. So you have to go up to at least uh, between 65 and 8,500 feet. I find all my fruit at Sam's Club. I just go out there and, and <laughs> there's, forage. There's nothing wrong with that. It's it's always available. Yeah, and it's always consistent. It, you know, it's a it's a very good uh, mix of things that you can do. But yeah, the 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 problem with making your own alcohol is that if you screw something up, you don't really know about it until about four months later. Yeah, and then and then you got to dump it right. So it, it's it's a lifelong process. That's why when we you know you drink a good wine now, I appreciate it now that I've made more wine uh, and more alcohol and things. I appreciate the the process that it te- it took to have somebody go out and let alone tend to a, a vineyard and grow grapes. And then now that process is even longer. Right. So like you, you know, um, I don't know if you know uh, the band Tool. I'm sure you've mm-hmm. heard of Tool. I'm Maynard. just going to bring, gonna bring up. up Maynard. Right. Yeah. yeah. He, you know, he started the uh, this uh, this vineyard out. Um, uh, Fiducius. What's the name? Caduceus. Of it? Caduceus. Yeah. Caduceus. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, of vineyards out in Arizona. And he literally started it from nothing scratch, you know, and um, his goal was to grow grapes in the desert. Yeah. Which is pretty impossible. And they and he's doing it, which is really interesting. So, yeah, this little town of Jerome Jerome, in Arizona. Arizona, Yeah. And it's an old I think it was an old uh, mining town. Right. That was. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's now just a quaint little town way, way up in Arizona. Yeah. And then he started a restaurant. Yeah. Called Merkins, which I think is really funny. <laughs> very strange. Yeah, he's a very odd man. But I the like documentary it. is super interesting on his drive to, to grow grapes in what's this impossible the, climate. What's the documentary called? I don't know. It's like blood I, in blood into wine or something like that. Yeah, I know I know the one you're talking talking about. I've seen it. Um I usually scroll past it. Like I, I, I like Tool, I like Perfect Circle. Uh the first time I ever heard Maynard, uh, he was part of uh, Green Jello, which then became oh. Green Jelly because they got sued for the name. Uh, so, like, I'm I'm a fan of his from way back. From way back. Well, he has been uh, following the path of becoming a vintner, and uh, and and he is doing all of that work, and it's pretty interesting to watch it. And you can get caught up in a in. The, the documentary is okay. I find it a little bit cheesy, but uh, the documentary is good. It, however, if you go on YouTube and you just search out Maynard um, Caduceus or Maynard Vineyard or any of that, you can get into a rabbit hole of all these like mini documentaries that were made by other 
people that kind of followed him around for a while. And it's interesting stuff. And uh, I, I encourage you to go out and find it. But if you so getting back to what I was saying about making my own wine, I want to do it. And um, it's it's something I have done, but I've only done it using kits. So you can go on Amazon. You can type in, you know, wine making kit. You make. I don't know. It's like 30 bottles at a time. Yeah, know, I, I can pick up a kit at my local Ace Hardware. Oh, no they, kidding. Yeah, they Ace actually Hardware. have a whole section of the store that's dedicated to home brewing. How Get cool out. is that? We don't have that. No. We have a big fishing department. Maybe here. we need to, yeah, maybe we need to look harder. You made a Pinot, a Cab. Um, I made some wine for our wedding. I, yeah. I will have to, uh, have to admit, the only wine that... I find tolerable just because there's a lot of uh, the ketones. For some reason, they just oh, uh, they mess with you. Yeah, they mess with me. So the only the only wines that I really like are like the Rieslings. No, the real you got a sweet tooth. Yeah, you like all that sweet stuff. Well, and it, it helps with the alcohol absorption, so you get more kick for your buck. I I, <laughs> I can see where you're headed with this, Trent. That's fantastic. <laughs> So let me tell you a little bit about the wine that I'm drinking tonight. It's called Liberté, and it is a Franco-American red blend from uh, a, a place called Cooper's Hawk, which is, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of that or if you have those in um, Wyoming, but they're, uh, it's, it's a franchise uh, winery that I believe the owners are from my neck of the woods somewhere in Illinois, I, I okay. think, and um, they, they started this fantastic business model concept where you become a member of their restaurant and vineyard like a co-op yeah you pay like we pay about 38 dollars a month for it okay and you get two bottles of wine a month and then you get discounted food in the restaurant and i've never had a bad meal in there it's very good it's a neat place it's a great place and then you get also you get two uh what is it two tastings we two get tastings a month. Yeah, two tastings a month, and we get to go and work with a semenier, and they, you know, bring out the bottles and they do the whole thing, and you get crackers and truffles and all this other stuff. Very fancy, uh, and uh, very so, chichi. Yeah, chichi, but f- it's inexpensive, which is you know my 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 dig, man. And it's next to the beach, so there's people there oh, in bathing sounds, suits, classing yeah, it up. Lovely. Yeah, it is lovely. And uh, so every month they have a wine of the month. And this is uh, the July wine of the month called Liberté. It is uh, sourced from vineyards in both the United States and France. This bottle honors the lasting connection of those two fine nations. Personified by the friendship between Cooper's Hawk founder Tim McEnry and French native Jean-Charles Boissiette. This uh, Boissier, I would imagine, they don't say their T's in France. This uh, this release is a dual culture celebration. So it's it's a it's a French American mix of a red wine, basically. And it's uh, the label, if you can imagine, is um, who's the who's the artist that does these like minimal pieces? Uh, Uh, Mark Rothko. Rothko. It's like a Rothko. Okay. Okay. And it's. It's just a. Uh, it's almost like a Merlot. It's got smoky. Uh, oh, uh, Sarah found it for me. It's Woodridge, Illinois. Yeah, which is right up near where I grew up. And uh, 
and it's it's got fruits it's a little bit sweeter and it's smoky it's got some some we like to joke about the forest floor and uh you know all this like <laughs> all, all the these different notes. things yeah these weird notes but uh this is a very good wine and what, what do they call that petrichor petrichor yeah the, i think you're smell right smell after rain Yes, Petrichor. Yeah. yeah, very good. And such a wealth of information. Oh, Trent's like an astronaut. He's got like every. He's like a fifteen. I'm just sitting here blinking and smiling at everything he's. I'm like, God, he's smart. Yeah, yeah. He knows the chemical composition of you know petrified wood and everything else. He's he he knows his stuff. Um, but uh, anyway, they have a huge selection of wines at Cooper Sock. So if you've ever been in, and they're not a sponsor of the podcast or any of that. It's just that I I enjoy their stuff and. Uh, now that COVID has hit and we haven't been able to eat there, I really miss it. Like they have a bunch of really great, for instance, like you can go in there and get a $12 burger and it's just, it's a really good burger. And in my town where I live, Naples, uh, you can't buy a plate of food in this town for less than 25 bucks. I mean, it's just not unheard of, but in there you can get a decent plate of food for like 10, 15 bucks. It's really good. And a good glass of wine. Yeah. Good service. Good service. Good, good service just is the cherry on top because you know we live in a in a tourist town and oh i i you know i'm i'm not an elitist i'm not a snob i understand that everybody needs work and stuff but like come on folks if you're if you're gonna hire on as a waiter or waitress or anything like that where you have to work with the public you know it's it's a gratuity i don't I, I'm sorry that you got hired on at two thirty-five an hour. I really am. But if you want a, at least a 20, 25% tip, like there's a bare minimum of service required. You know what I mean? Oh, no doubt. Absolutely. That's the path they've chosen. Sarah and I are like serial good tippers. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll, we're always at the 20% mark. But there have been times when we yeah, have we almost withheld. got chased out of the winery one time. Yeah, <laughs> the waitress thought we didn't pay. The waitress thought that we skipped the bill, but she was just really unattentive, so we paid our bill at the bar and left. No, we were in. And the, we were in the. I was in the gift shop. Yeah. So as if I was trying to skip out on the bill, but I wanted to just kind of meander around for a half hour and hope I didn't get <laughs> caught, right? <laughs> and yeah. and then the waitress comes up to me like all accusatory. That was nuts. It, it was really nuts. It was nuts. a little crazy. And then I, she had, she went and got the manager. It was a whole production. Yeah. Very it, weird. It was like we were being busted. For, you know, this is what happens when you marry a guy covered in tattoos. I was just going to say, I think I had a tank top on mm-hmm. and we're both, you know, a little tattooed and, and we're not the typical, out of place in Naples, maybe. Yeah. And we're not the typical Neapolitan, right? I mean, we're, we're under 65 <laughs> and we are you know tattooed and whatever and and this and it was funny because i was in the bathroom so i come out of the bathroom and sarah is literally being like surrounded by staff members because they're accusing her of 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 dine, what's they called dine and ditch dine and dash, yeah. dine and dash. Mm-hmm. And only it was more of a dine and mosey yeah, yeah. I mean, come dine on. and then shop at your establishment some more <laughs> so you want to know what's really awkward every time we go back into that restaurant that waitress still works there her name is heather if you're listening, Heather, we know you. <laughs> we know you. And uh, and she refuses to wait on us. We've like sat in her section and she hands us yeah, over. Someone else is definitely assigned to us when oh, we're in her section. Every time. Because 
I would love to have a conversation with her about that. Remember that time, Heather, that you accused us of trying to steal food from here? Remember when you made a scene? You made a scene and really embarrassed us? That was when we were going there all two the or three times a week. Yeah, all the time. Just for like an after work snack and a glass of wine. See, you guys, you guys are better. You're better people than I am because I just have a little too much redneck in my blood. <laughs> if I came out of the bathroom and my wife was surrounded by people, somebody's getting picked up and tossed. Yeah. Well, I was confused because I'm like half in the bag, right? Like I have, <laughs> I, I, I'm like, wait, is she telling a really good story or like what? what is happening here? I think you were fully in the bag. I, I might have been. Yeah. Yeah. We had a couple of bottles between we us. We did. And so I'm, I'm, I walk up and I go, what's going on? And the, and the manager's like, well, we're trying to figure out if you paid your bill. I'm like, we paid our bill and we tipped her really well. And the guy's like, uh, oh, oh. And then, you know, of course, then it's, then they I'm to sorry, to the sir. Yeah, they wanted to bring a bartender. Yeah, there was a whole thing. It was, and then. But we're not offended. We like their wine. Yeah. We'll it, go back. It is what it is. See, that, I, I don't, that, it doesn't that me. shows a lot about the quality of their goods. The fact that you guys went through an experience like that and you're still fans. There's another restaurant in town where we had a really negative experience and we'll never go back there. Yeah. I won't say what it is. Oh, it I ends know. in a number. We had like really, I, I, I there's, oh, it's, yeah, okay. yeah. It's, and, and I ordered scallops, right? <laughs> and, oh God, here we go. Okay. So I'm in a restaurant. It's a nice restaurant. You know, it's, it's, if you were looking at Yelp, it's like $3 signs, maybe $4 signs on the little scale. So it's expensive. But we had a gift certificate. That was the reason why we were in there. We would typically never eat there because it's too expensive for us. We're in there. I'm like, oh, man, I'm really hungry. I'm, I'm a gluten-free person. I have a gluten allergy, and so I can't eat a lot of stuff. So I asked the waitress, you know, hey, what can we eat here? And she's like, oh, you got to try the scallops. They're delicious, blah, blah, blah. I'm like looking at the menu. Scallops are $33. $33. For sea bugs. For sea bugs. Right. And we figure, what the heck? Gift card. Gift card. We have a we have okay. a $100 gift card here. And uh, so we order some drinks. We get the scallops. And we order... what You had the fish taco. You fish have tacos. an amazing memory. Yes. Well, when I'm traumatized by <laughs> a situation, I tend to remember it. So uh, they bring this these two plates of food out that wouldn't even feed a five-year-old. I'm talking... How many scallops are on my plate? Three. Three. Three, you got it, Trent. Three scallops, super tiny, small. And it was like, what is this? A, a, a meal for ants? Like I, I, I was going to say, let me guess. They put some kind of sauce. They spooned the yes. sauce. Yeah. Did the yes. smear. It but, looked beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, food they porn. They did the smear. Yep, they did the smear. They do a thing, though, where their menu is all things that are under 500 calories. It was on the light menu. So they really sauced it up when they should have just scalloped it up. But there was no side dish. So it was just it was three like, little tiny pieces <laughs> of essentially clam on my plate. We yeah. didn't know. We didn't know. The place is beautiful. I too, was traumatized. I mean, you expect you're going to get a truckload of scallops for what the place looks like. Yeah, because they got like the little alcohol fire pits everywhere. My, and rule of thumb, my rule of thumb is that the nicer the place looks, and or the more spendy, or God forbid, if it's got a Michelin star, you're going to be overcharged, underserved. I, I mean, it, it's a different level of service, 
So you, well, not anymore because they're all scrambling. Every, yeah. All these restaurants are scrambling with the with the situation with the COVID and everything. I think. But, but a Michelin star restaurant, you know, have, having gone to school in, for culinary arts, uh, that's one of those. Wait things a minute, go back to that for a second, Trent. You went to school for the culinary arts. Could you exp- once you're done telling the story, you need to expand on that. Okay. Uh, but you know, it's it's the kind of fanboy, fangirl thing where it's like these are supposed to be the best of the best. So you get a little bit of uh you know, hero worship and you, you get starry eyed and you're like, Oh, I've gotta and I've I've gone to more than my fair share for my income bracket of Michelin starred restaurants. And I can tell you uh on one hand using a minimal of fingers of the times I was actually impressed by the meal or the the staff do you feel like that's because you have a preconceived notion going in to the restaurant where you're like this most, place most is likely, supposed to be yes. really good i yeah. think that's most what likely. that star really means though i mean it's that they, so it's supposed to be it's yeah it should be perfect every time. What's that documentary we watched about that I was restaurant? That it was too. on Eleven uh, Madison Street. Seven days out. Seven days out. So good. So good. There's a documentary on the this uh, um, restaurant and on Madison. Uh, isn't it Madison Street? It was Eleven something. I can't remember it. Anyway, if you I know it, and it's on Netflix. You can look it up. I'll look it up. This guy is renovating a restaurant. And you can tell it's his life. I mean, and him and his business partner, who is the chef, and it's in New York, New York City. And uh, you can go there. And I think like you have to book, you have to book it months in advance to get a seat and get a table there. That's pretty typical. Yeah. And, you know, basically you pay a flat rate to eat there, Um, you know, whatever it is. And I think we looked it up. I think it was a table of four people. To have uh, brunch was eleven hundred dollars. No, it was. It was, was like, it cheaper than that. Oh, was it three something a person? It was three something a person. Yeah, that's, and they added gratuity. I'm gonna yeah, look it up. I don't think. I think we're wrong. I think it was gonna be no, like that, three or five. That sounds. That sounds right on on par. Yeah, I it? think it was. I, I fairly. I'm, look it up and see. The but, restaurant is called Eleven Madison Park. Eleven Madison Park. And just the intensity and the passion that the co-owners and all of the operational managers and every level of chef in the kitchen, the, the passion they had for their job and the minutia of every little thing, it was just. It was so stunning, and I could. I was just hanging on their every word. So we decided that we were going to go, and we were going to take your parents. We were going to take Sarah's parents to go. Yeah, sit my there parents love, eat. love, love New York. They love New York, and they live near there, so we can we can go into the city when we're up there. And uh, and we were gonna we were gonna enjoy this restaurant, and then I think we were gonna do it this year, and then COVID hit, and then everything just shut down. I don't know what the status of the restaurant is, but. Well, they are temporarily closed okay. currently. Yeah, I would imagine. But, uh, Trent, you would love this documentary. You should watch it. And if I, anybody I will out try there, to find it. Melissa. Melissa yeah, seven Days Out is the name of Melissa it. Melissa watches a lot of documentaries, so I could probably slip that in the queue. Go. Let's go back a bit. You said that you went to school for the culinary arts. Yeah. Uh, expand on that. Uh, well, it was uh, luck and networking and then 
one of those situations of don't meet your hero or don't really don't accidentally stumble into a profession based on your passions. Um, Cause I, I've told you this story before. So my uncle uh, was a financial advisor and he uh, had a client who was a board member for the Culinary Institute of America at Hyde Park. And I got an opportunity through, you know, a handshake deal to attend. And so you have to do a certain number of, you know, you've got your course hours and your labs. And then I got a job at Delmonico's, the famous steakhouse in New York City. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. And uh, it was one of those situations where I was really close to uh, graduation. And that's when I realized that it just wasn't for me because I've told you this and I don't know how to say this without like having the PC police come after me. But when you, when you watch a dishwasher and a bus boy go at each other with knives over <laughs> girls yeah. slash drugs slash money, yeah. I just no, realized I this is yeah. not my milieu. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I, I remember this conversation. We, we had this talk on the phone. I think it was yeah. like, we were just talking about it, but yeah, you're right. I worked, I too worked in the kitchen and uh for for about two years and um i was like the night shift dishwasher in a in like an internet cafe because that's Mm -hmm. what i wanted to do and uh yeah that's back when internet cafes were like a thing wow and uh, i was lied to by the manager so many times like we're gonna move you up we're gonna put you at the bartender blah 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 of course i never moved away from dishwashing i did that for far too long uh but i learned a lot about business that was the that was the point and um you know, I would watch the chef, you know, drop a T-bone steak on that, you know, that little mat with all the grid work in it, yep. that uh, the anti-fatigue mat that mm-hmm. the, a lot of the chefs stand on while they're cooking. Oh, it's so brutal he, on your knees it, and ankles. It is. Sorry. Yeah, he would. Uh, so the chef's name was Eric, and he was a really funny guy, hilarious guy, really good at cooking. I learned a lot from him just by simply being in there and watching uh and uh but oh on the regular he would drop food on the floor on that gross mat you know and then just pick it right back up and throw it on the grill and sear it and then (laughs) throw it and hey and he would laugh oh man he would laugh you know of course and then he he would get while we were cooking and cleaning in the kitchen it was a very small kitchen um the 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 restaurant had maybe 20 less than 20 tables and um but it was really good food and it's still there uh i won't say the name of the restaurant because <laughs> somebody's gonna be like what the hell anyway um uh, so his thing was right around the tail end of the dinner shift he would start drinking so he had uh you know we had a fridge in the kitchen obviously and he had like a stash of heineken in the back and it would it was just and then of course you know i'm now drinking with him because it's like a brotherhood situation and he's and this is every frigging day he's getting blistering drunk and then by the time our shift was over he could barely stand up i mean this guy <laughs> he and i and and then as he would be leaving the restaurant, he'd look at me and go, never, ever get into this business. Never. It's terrible. It'll it'll crush your soul. And meanwhile, I'm like a 19-year-old kid, right? I'm like, 
Uh, okay. And I, I, and my grandfather owned steakhouses. So, and he would tell me the same thing. He would say, you know, restaurant business will just eat you alive. Well, it's, it's high margin or I mean, l- low margins, uh, high, uh, costs. You've, you've got high massive volume. turnover, yep. you know, uh, at its peak, a restaurant has maybe five good years in it, unless you're con- continually and consistently rebranding and readjusting. Unless you Taco Bell. I mean, they've got a long history of uh, serving up, you know, Texan Americana fare. <laughs> that was really kind to Taco Bell. They're still in business. <laughs> That's very I kind. Mean, they, you know, Wendy's filed for Chapter 11. I know. Pizza Hut. I mean. The, the line is well, around what's the building. Is, what's funny is, uh, so Taco Bell is part of Yum!, which owns what KFC mm-hmm. and Long John Silver's and something else. I think Pizza Hut's in there. Yeah, as well. I, th- I think so. Yeah, which also means that Wing Street is part of it, and there's another one I'm forgetting. This leads me to another question for you, Trent. Okay. If you're going to eat fast food, fast food, mm-hmm. what's your go-to fast food restaurant? Five guys. Oh, totally. Me That's too. That's what you were going to say. Yeah, that is exactly what I was going to say. It's just like my fast casual choice is Texas Roadhouse. With five guys and Texas Roadhouse, you have quality and consistency. It does not matter where you go in the country. You are going to be greeted with the same level of service and the same level of quality. It's like you're in my head. We had this exact conversation, right? So I have a friend who owns a restaurant here, and it's a nice restaurant. And unfortunately, it opened really close to when the state shut down, right, oh, right around. Uh, yeah, poor it's bastard. Brutal. His yeah. opening date, I think, was February twenty eighth. Yeah, oh, it poor was just bastard. It's brutal, right? He's and a, it's like farm chef. to table kind of stuff. It's like higher end. Yeah, you're not gonna go, and it's not food you pick up. Yeah, even it, though we've not supported him. Yeah, it's right. not takeout. We've done that, you know. But I got a burger from him, and it was atrocious. And uh, and I was I was really annoyed while I was eating it. And because um, you know he knew it was me coming in there, and I'm uh, you know I'm I, I, I'm a burger guy. I, I love burgers. You know, uh, I I I don't I can't eat the bun, but I get all the the fixings right. Mm-hmm. It's like a it's like a cowboy steak, right? That's mm-hmm. the way I look at it. Is it's 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 cheap. But it's good, you know. You can mm-hmm. you can get a burger and you can really fill up on it. And it's uh, there's there's a lot of good things you can add to a burger to make it a real meal, right? Oh yeah. And of course, I'm Welsh Irish, so I love meat and potatoes, right? And and uh, I get this burger. I'm super annoyed because, of course, it costs. I don't know. I think it was fifteen or sixteen dollars. It was. I think it was twenty bucks. I don't know. I don't remember, but it, the bill was like forty some dollars for two meals. So it was like might as well have been twenty bucks. And I'm as I'm chewing on this thing, and I'm like, man, you know, it, this could be a lot better. The bacon was really soggy. There was like gristle in the meat. It was just not good. And I look at Sarah and I go, if we would have gotten a ten dollar burger at Five Guys. We would be so much happier with this meal. And it's just, like you said, consistent, delicious. The French fries are 
effing amazing. Oh my god! And every you, time you get a half a bag, whether you order a small oh, yeah. order or not, dude. Trent, do you get the Cajun or the regular? Uh, I like the Cajun, but my wife is, you know, as I've told Brian, she's the whitest white girl that ever whited. So, uh, you know, I end up up eating a lot of plainer stuff than what I would prefer because I like some flavor. It's like Samuel L. Jackson in in Pulp Fiction. You know, my girlfriend's a vegetarian. Therefore, I'm pretty much a vegetarian. Yep. Same concept. Yeah. When you order also, let me just give another five guys big applaud to five guys because I order my burger through the app on my phone. There's this app now. Okay. So I can pre-program my meal, right? So it's like, and it, and it remembers. It's like, oh, hey, Brian, do you want to order the same thing you ordered last time? Yes. Uh, yes, MF and yes, <laughs> times 10, please. And I hit this button and then it says it'll be ready in eight minutes and I drive up there and I get it. And, uh, and, and I get like grilled jalapeno and I get uh, extra bacon and extra uh, grilled onion and all this stuff. No charge. No charge. Yeah, the extras. The I love that, that. The extras are just they're extras, but not extra cost. You got it. And and it's like you walk out of there with these two enormously caloric bags of food <laughs> for like 22 bucks. Mm-hmm. Yep. And when he gets home with it, they give you so many fries that it doesn't even look like he already ate half the fries on his way. <laughs> Road fries are a thing. <laughs> I'm sorry. Fries. I yep, get yep. them. And it's That's the tax of picking. It up. is the tax. It's the yep. road tax. Yeah. 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 I went and got it. So Be glad Wait. he didn't have a road burger or two. <laughs> I His can't road eat it on the burger road. would be a production because there's be no bun, so he's basically eating it out of a dish, a foil dish. And uh, the Samuel L. Jackson thing is true that he pretty, I'm pretty much gluten free because he is. So I get my burger the same way, no bun. I, I feel your pain. Not that you know Brian's a pain, but yeah, oh, I'm a pain, dude. No, I'm a pain, big time. <laughs> well, see, and that's the thing. My wife's really not a pain. Uh, she's she's fantastic. But I, I have learned um, that what I consider mildly spicy, she's like on fire and I'm I'm like, oh, so I really dial back with, you know, she she's fine with other spices. But, yeah, I can't I can't use chili powder. Or, I mean, sometimes paprika is a little bit too much for her. Ooh. Paprika. Yikes. We have the same spice level. But, you know, thanks to you, I'm eating less carbs and that's OK. Yeah. 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 I don't mind it at all. I was gonna say that that is kind of a plus. I'm I'm yeah. working on uh I I hate all these fad diets, the keto and the paleo. I mean I eat I'm kinda like Brian, I eat a lot of meat and potatoes and I'm just working on eating a little less carbohydrates because uh it's funny, I'm forty one. My cholesterol is fine, I don't have any problem with uh uh what do you call that? The gunk in your arteries? Plaque. Yeah. I, I don't have any of that shit. And pretty much all I eat is like, like very rarely I'll have chicken, but it's like beef and pork, probably 60, 40 beef pork. Uh, I eat butter and bacon grease and, and people are like, oh, that's bad for you. It's like, no, you know, you're going to live to be like 105. You're pretty much doing keto. Yeah. Just but, to, yeah, but I do too. I have that sweet tooth, uh, which I never really thought I had. Uh, compared to my wife, I'm an amateur, but, but no kidding. She's like into the sugar, huh? Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's, uh, like 
you know, I, I joke around about my spare tire. Uh, it's not a beer belly. That is all from soda. And so the number yeah, sugar one, will do that. Yeah, the number sure. one thing I've done to cut out of my diet is just drop the soda. Oh yeah, you'll you'll just like shed pounds off of you. I'm, I'm working on it, but I, I'm I'm just kind of annoyed. I'm not really a, a a vain person, but like even five years ago, I still had a six pack, and now I've got you know I can grab this disgusting loaf of fat around my belly and i'm like what can you store a pencil underneath it though <laughs> no the, no I'm not, I'm not that bad but i can but I, I got, I, that's where i keep my shop knock pencil. It off you cannot i lift that Stop. muffin top that i've got <laughs> and i put a pencil under there and then that's where i keep it yeah. well you know you know what they right. call that in the midwest you're just you're just putting a roof over the tool shed there you ah. go there you go <laughs> I, it's hey, it's useful at times. Yeah, you and your thirty-inch waist. It's a oh. thirty-two. Thank you. Mm. And oh, uh, oh, okay. And uh, I, had, I, I am. A everyone's thin weeping for you right now, yeah. Brian. I had a thirty-inch waist in high school. <laughs> I, I did too. I was a thirty-inch guy. What What broke my heart was I've I've always said as long as my pants, as long as my inseam is bigger than my waist i'm okay and i finally had to break down and buy 38 inch yeah. waist pants and i was like it comes nope, to the territory no nope, you're getting not older fucking now. doing it yeah you can do it <laughs> not fucking doing it <laughs> so did you walk away from the pants or what uh you're just not wearing pants these days yeah. is that what it is I, i'm i'm actually i'm i'm one of those gross coronavirus people who's wearing sweatpants and shorts all the time nice <laughs> nice i wear a lot of sweatpants i'm actually wearing my regular pants today because i have been uh interviewing people because my right hand uh, his name is brandon he's been with me for a few years now uh, and he has his wife has gotten a job somewhere else. They are moving out of the state of Florida, and they're leaving. So I am so hiring. It's, it's danger right close hand. for you. You've you've uh, got to find someone. Yeah, because it, I uh, I just cannot do my job properly without somebody just handling all the other stuff for me. So yeah. I yeah. he uh, he did that for me for a lot of years and he felt terrible about leaving and then felt even more terrible because he gave me six months notice, which God bless the guy. I mean, he you know, he was like, hey, man, I'm leaving in six months. And then two weeks ago, he said, I'm leaving in two months. So he shaved four months off of that. So we've been kicking it into high gear. So if you haven't seen me on social media and you haven't seen me on, you know, doing a lot of videos and stuff, it's yeah, because you're handling your business, man. It's uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I have to. And um, and we've been interviewing people today. We had four interviews, some pretty good folks. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I have to like pick. I, I've got, you know, the young, energetic you know, type guys who want to work for me. They want to come in. They are like gung ho, but they don't have any experience. You know, they're just real green. And then I've got uh, the guy who's been doing it for 10, 15 years and uh, he has no personality. And, you know, it, it's, it's like a, it's a toss up. There's nobody in between. There's nobody like Brandon who was like the guy that had all the experience and he's got personality and he's good with clients. It's like, he was like, and he was a walk-in. 
Fun. I mean, he, he moved into the apartment complex on the other side of the street from where my shop is. And he, he came over and he was like, hey, I'm a computer guy. I'm looking for a job. And it just so happened my other at that time, my other right hand, she was leaving. And um, I needed somebody and I hired him. And he was a great hire. I not mean, awesome. not that you need my advice or that you solicited my advice, but I would find someone that I could groom into the, the type of person I want them to be. Yeah, I'm kind of leaning in you that You can way, train actually. for skills. You can't train for personality. You're totally right. The, the, I said that today. Did that you say today? that today? I don't know. what. The, all, every day is the same. Maybe High it five. was yesterday. <laughs> yeah, we were walking the dog, and I was just like, you can just... You can you can do a lot with a great personality, yeah. But somebody who's you know not into it, but they have experience is is going to be an issue. Yeah, I had a, a young guy. He's probably like twenty one, twenty two. Coming to the he he actually was the only guy who hand delivered his resume initially, and uh, he is just hungry and just wants it. He's just like, give me a job. I just want to do it. I Hungry's, just want to come. Hungry here. is yeah. Hungry is good. Hungry is good. I mean, don't, good attitude don't, good. don't starve yeah. a hungry guy. Don't tease him. No, with a no, no, but. no, no, not at all. Yeah, for sure. And I, I, I'll, I you know, I'm looking at him and I'm going, Ugh. it's going to be a little work to get this guy up to speed. But I think I think he might be the right one. And in and, uh, and he's also been in Naples for a long time. So he's been here for his, most of his life. He, he went back and forth from L.A. to here a little bit, but. Yeah. Well, he said that, you know, this is what immediately I liked him. And if you're in California and you live in L.A., God bless you. But I hate traffic. So I don't want to ever live there. But on the the other uh, hand, I don't apologize. Unlike Brian, (laughs) (laughs) I I just didn't fit in there. But the uh, this young man, he he lived there for a few years and then back and forth. And uh, he, he flat out said the exact same thing I did. He's like. Have you been to Southern California? He's like, I just don't fit in there. And he used those exact words. And I was like, oh, man. It, it, it resonated with me. Pay, so, pay attention we'll to those signs, man. Yeah, pay yeah, yeah. For sure. Signs. Yeah, for sure. So that is what I've been up to this week. I have been really uh, underwater as far as just trying to get all of those things handled so that I can continue on with well, content creation and all that. It's so. like Dory says, just keep swimming. Just keep swimming, man. Every day. And, you know, drinking a lot of wine and uh, watching some Survivor. We've been uh, binge watching. Where where uh, are they this season. year? I, I haven't paid attention since like season five. Well, they don't have They're a new season. They're not doing anything right now. Ah. Yeah. Where were they the last time? Like uh, they were Bali? in yeah, they were somewhere over in uh, Nicaragua, near Bali or, or Java. Uh, Nicaragua was a few seasons ago. I can't keep track. I can't either. Somewhere we're tropical. watching too many seasons. Yeah. We're going back. We're watching Java's Java's in Indonesia, correct? Yes, and so they and, and French. They were also in French Polynesia, I think, okay. at one time. Mm-hmm. So that's However, like Tahiti and yes, yeah, something Fiji, else, Fiji. And, uh, yeah, so they, what we did, and I highly advise this, if you are not a Survivor fan, go back to season 17 and watch the first season they did it in HD because I'm a not, I'm a snob. I cannot watch anything now if it's been shot on a potato. 
I cannot do <laughs> is it. Is that why you won't watch any of my videos, Brian? No, 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 no. I, that's not <laughs> it. I've been too busy. But yes, I will get to your videos, and and I, I promise. But they, they, we were going to start Survivor from the beginning, and we were probably you can't even make out Jeff Probst's face. <laughs> it's like, it's we were digitized. ten minutes into season one, episode one, and Brian's like, "Stop! I can't do it. I can't do it. Let's find out when they started filming in high def. I can't do this." So when you Google it, right? You yeah. type in when did Survivor and then it autofills uh We're start not the only fi- jerks. yeah start filming in HD it autofilms or auto feeds that into your uh, search string it is hilarious so it's season 17 in case you're wondering on Hulu you can watch all of these episodes commercial free and see, survivor is a brilliant brilliant game and i i i wasn't i was raising little kids when survivor was like a big thing so i didn't watch a ton of it right but it shows you it basically lays out uh uh, the framework for your life it shows you how people will stab you in the back to get what they want and they'll do it right to your face they'll stab you in the front i mean it's it's unbelievable i I, how however you learn a lot I have never thought about it like that, but it's a society of people pretending to be friends that are trying to steal perfectly that are not friends. And they they are, yeah, they're frenemies and they're all sort of smiling at you at the same time while they're plotting your demise. That, that just makes me think of the Eagles hotel, California. It's the truth. You, if you think about the world like that, I know that's a very dark way to look at the world. Not everybody's out to get you, but everybody is sort of clamoring to climb these ladders, right? They're trying to get ahead. And if you're a part of that ladder for them, they might step on you to get there. Oh, they'll cut the, they'll cut the legs off the ladder while you're on it. Oh, sure. Yeah. Just to get just to get ahead of you. And uh, that's what Survivor is like. It's almost like a literal metaphor, if that makes sense. That that is the best framing I've ever heard, because I I generally just as a matter of practice, I hate reality TV show because it's not reality. But when you look at it through that lens, through that perspective, it makes everything make sense. And then and then, of course, they put you in these situations where you have to be physically uh, adept and mentally, you, you know, you're doing puzzles and you're doing, uh, you know, uh, physical tasks at the same time. So it becomes a whole thing. It becomes like a they've really well. It's a really well thought out game. It's brilliant. And especially right now with being in quarantine, people are spending a lot of time at home. There are so many seasons of this to watch and you can binge watch them and get really involved. And then I, I never scream at the TV and <laughs> and, oh, yeah. and Survivor. I'm like, been what moments. the frick? Oh, my God. I can't believe he pulled out another immunity idol and then gave it to <laughs> Zeke. And then it's like the whole thing. And, you know, and, and of course, the, you get invested in these players, you mm-hmm. know, these people. And then they bring them back, you know, throughout the whole thing. So anyway, if you're looking for something to watch and you want to watch something and you've watched every single thing on Netflix, Hulu and Amazon Prime. Uh, go and find Survivor and dig it up and and uh, and see what uh, see what's out there because that's a really good thing. So and and that leads me into another segue, Trent. What are you watching, if anything, right now? Uh, I have sworn off TV. Let's see here. I'm. This is my eleventh or twelfth year of 
having cut the cable. Uh, we have we have Netflix, we have Hulu, we have Prime, you know. So we've got plenty of options. Uh, I just I don't like a lot of prepackaged stuff. So I have to say, uh, you know, I've been repping uh, YouTube pretty hard. All right. So what are you watching on YouTube? Oh God, uh, I've, I've been going back through the back catalogs of our guests. Um, just oh yeah, that's always good. Yeah. Oh, and guess what? I don't know if you know. Uh, dies in every film. Yep. You know him? Yes. He he agreed to come on the podcast. Sweet. Yes. It's going to be fantastic. Sweet. I cannot wait for that. That's going to be really fun. I, I There's technical differences there because he only has an iPad. And I think this software, it's web-based, and I'm not sure if it works with an iPad. So we have to, we'll have to figure uh, it out. get that figured out. But, yeah, he agreed to come on. I, I you might have to get him to find an internet cafe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He, he, there's, they're, they're out there. He's in England somewhere in the well, UK. I, I was going to say, I know, I know the last time I was in Europe, which God was uh, 15 years ago, there were still plenty of internet cafes around, but that was, I'm just dating myself with how, how ancient my knowledge is. Well, they were out there because good quality internet was not a thing like you couldn't find yeah, internet and i think that's i don't even kind of think we solved. had 3g back then right most people have access to decent internet now like pretty much everywhere i would think that might be a very ignorant statement i mean not everywhere and i'm talking about the western world uh i don't know dude i i've been seeing some comments on videos from people when you click on their profiles they're in the middle I of know friggin' sub-Sahara Africa and I they're know. posting on their cell phones. So, yeah, I have a lot of uh, followers like in South Africa and stuff too. And mm -hmm. they're, they're in Iran and uh, a lot of middle East, but mm -hmm. uh, uh, yeah, I mean, who knows? Get messages on the regular from this morning. I got a message from Iran. Super interesting stuff. Slight, slight tangent. It's kind of bringing it back to how you started the program. Uh, I have a care package that I'm going to send to you guys. I need to get everything put together because I'm putting together one for Jesse. And if I can figure out how to sneak a package to Ian, I'm going to try to send him one. It's just that international border thing that I don't want him to have to pay, uh, you know, a, a yeah. tax when go go the to the post office. If you want to send something to Canada, here's the trick: you go to the post office and you get a uh, flat rate flat rate priority envelope or mm -hmm. if it'll fit in that or, or a box and they have a Canada rate okay. right on it and Sweet. it will go right through. Sweet. Although I have tried to send some stickers recently to people in Canada and they have not gotten them. And on the same day I sent stickers to the UK and they arrived within like four days. Interesting. So yeah. And the guy in Canada still has not gotten his stickers yeah, and he's just on the other side of the border. He's just like North of Maine. And, uh, and and I'll give him a shout out. His name is Nick, and he uh, he runs a uh, his knife business. It's called Pickle Cutters. Ooh, with a yeah, K. He, I've that. I've seen some of his stuff on Instagram. He he's a prolific knife knife maker, and he's um, kind of like just starting out. Like he he just decided. Like I think he got furloughed or something with the COVID thing. He's got a really interesting story. I asked him to come on the the podcast. He's another one that doesn't have any computer or anything um man but you, you sent me down a rabbit hole get me on the socials 
Oh, you're doing a great job on Instagram, by the way. I'm just trying to be consistent so I can figure out what exactly, how I want to use it. You're you're using it just how it should be. You're building relationships. Well, and because that's like it sounds it sounds so simple, but at the same time, it's like I, I don't know. I get I get uh, private messages, and it's like you know because they're not my followers or I'm not following them, I have to accept or decline. And there's right. a lot of it that's just like, hey, I'll follow you if you follow me, or hey, uh, you know, check out my website, or and I just immediately decline those. But. Yeah, when you when you first open up in any in uh, like any Instagram account, even YouTube and stuff, they, you get all I don't know what it is of these bots or these people that that try to glom on, to, try to leech on to your whatever you're doing, and uh, it takes a while for that to sort of wane off you know it, it eventually stops but yeah i get i get a lot of people that they're i don't know what the purpose of it is but they they're they're leaving comments on my youtube videos mm-hmm. and it's like hey do you want to be friends and uh when you google their their account it's you know it's a spam account it's mm-hmm. it's not there's not a lot there it's just it's there's nothing to it and I don't know what the purpose of it is. I have no idea. I'm sure there's some sort of monetary re- reward if they get more followers or whatever. But it's annoying. And uh, I ignore them now. I block oh, them on the channel. Just real quick before I forget. So getting back to your package. Now that I know uh, that you guys like some of the smaller uh, uh, vineyards and smaller wineries, we have a local-ish uh, vineyard uh, based out of South Dakota, and I'm going to send you a bottle. It's my favorite. Uh, it's my favorite of their wines. It's called Red Ass Rhubarb from okay. a company called uh, Red Ass. Now I want to change the title of the podcast. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> to uh, Red Ass Rhubarb. I'm trying to remember the name of the winery, uh, but it's it's based out of South Dakota. And Melissa's family's from South Dakota, so it it'll be really easy for me to pick up a bottle and and send it on the way to you. Oh, that'd be nice. Thank you so much. I th- I think you'll enjoy it because it's 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 a fruit wine. It's not really uh like all of their wines are fruit wines. They're not they're not grape wine uh grape wines. R- rhubarb is an interesting plant. It grew all over. There was wild rhubarb all over um, Illinois where mm-hmm. I grew up. And uh, and people would make pie out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, are you familiar with rhubarb? My, my pie? wife loves rhubarb. It's a little bitter for me, but when she makes like rhubarb strawberry, I'll eat that. So Sarah googled red ass rhubarb, and it is the most popular uh, wine that the Prairie Berry Winery That's the one. Uh, makes, and it's uh, it's. It's rhubarb and raspberry, so mm-hmm. that's the combination there. Yeah, and it's it's about, like right down the middle. That sounds really good. It does sound really good. I think I'll like that. I prefer sweeter wines every once in a while. And they've won all kinds of awards. Four-time best of class in the Indie International Wine Competition, the Judge's Choice Award at the San Francisco Chronicle Wine Competition. So, yeah, they, they definitely uh, – 27 gold medals, 55 silver medals, and 21 bronze medals. Were they just giving those away? I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I would imagine. It's a lot of medals. It says it pairs well with goat. 
cheese, not regular cheese, goat cheese. Well, goat cheese tends to be a little richer and a little more. um, I think it's sweeter, too. It's a little sweeter, but it can also be like, especially a goat cheese that's like a a blue cheese with goat milk tends to be just a little more uh, unctuous. Yeah, you know, I, I enjoy taking goat cheese and mixing it with things. So mm-hmm. I'll take it and uh, and you would like this because I typically tend to go on the sweeter side. I'll take it and mix it with strawberry jam, for instance. Ooh, and yeah. yeah, that will give like a salty, sweet um, sort of spread that you can put on anything pretty much. Um, even like jalapeno peppers, mm-hmm. things like that. And it really is good. Try it, try it with chopped uh, dried apricot. Oh, dried apricot straight off the ape. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like apricot. I like it with honey. Oh, yeah. Fig. When I make fig, yeah, fig and honey goat cheese when I do that. That's nice. That's that's yeah. very Mediterranean. Is it? Yes. Whoa. I feel very Mediterranean when I eat it. Do you? No, not at all. <laughs> I don't either. I feel like uh, like I just feel uh, like I want to eat as much of it as quickly as possible. Yeah, I know, and then I get sick. Yeah, it's so good. And I can't poop for days. Oh wow! <laughs> so it's, it's the truth. I'm just saying, goat cheese stops me up. I don't know what it is. You have no just, words. No. All right, so there's there's uh, no segue for that, Brian. No, there's no way out of this. I know. I know. But here, here's you uh, stop okay. the conversation like you stopped your bowel movements. <laughs> oh, all it's a good thing I'm used red. to how gross you are. Yeah. Well, hey, <laughs> the audience should know I'm very gross. Uh, so, do you, Trent? Just out of curiosity, do you know what chimichurri sauce is? Yes. All right. So I have never. I love chimichurri sauce. I have never attempted in uh the making of it okay until about two days ago uh we were talking about it and with all this covid thing sarah and i have uh all of our groceries delivered to the house nice so we don't we you know we never go to the store anymore um which by the way i love going to the store i think it's really fun like going to buy things and and shop and i hate hate she going to the it. store yeah, yeah. I, I, I go for the companionship he'll be like will you just go with me i i yeah. fall i fall more to sarah's side i love that i can get shit delivered to my door and i don't have oh, to go out in best. public it's the best mm-hmm. so the base of chimichurri sauce is and i didn't know this parsley mm-hmm. okay uh, and I, uh, so of course, like every other uh, person on the planet, I Google, how do you make chimichurri sauce? I get a recipe. It's got five and a half stars out of six, you know, the whole thing. It's like, you know, this is authentic. And it's, I guess, uh, chimichurri sauce is native to South America. Um, yeah, I want to say Peru like, uh, I want to say like Ecuador, Peru. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I review this recipe and it's fairly simple. It's uh, chopped parsley, garlic, olive oil, um, salt, pepper, uh, maybe one other thing in there. I can't remember. And uh, and and I make it. Just for yeah, God's we, sake, don't add cilantro. I'm one of those people. Oh, see. I, I have the genetic. Oh, it's very polarizing. I have the genetic uh, oh, mutation that makes it taste like soap to me. Well, uh, I've got a, a thing about that because it initially cilantro used to taste like soap to me. 
but you know your taste buds every seven years they re redo regenerate you know they they yeah. regenerate so uh you may want to try it again if you haven't in a while because um yeah it's just I love cilantro it's just heartburn for me no kidding really mm-hmm. i could eat a salad of cilantro leaves. yeah i like cilantro now <laughs> oh i love it's, it it's a polarizing herb it yeah herb, well it, as it's they say. it most of it comes down to whether you have that genetic mutation or not yeah i'm well, sure I, like i'm said, sure there's some it. people that are like ew it's green uh you know but <laughs> yeah yeah i don't need my, anything green my parents are like ew it's different <laughs> yeah no. your, your mom is like way against anything She's like against that cilantro, cilantro and mint, mint. Oh. You know, oh you know what's funny a to dish me has been sent back you know what's funny to me is how similar uh mediterranean and like mexican specifically uh cooking is like there's a very similar uh palette of spices uh in fact one of my favorites the favorite things to do is i will cook up beef euro style not not uh on the roasted spit but uh with the the seasonings that you would make euros with and then i put it in tacos that sounds delicious. Yes. I had the worst heartburn of my life after I ate a gyro. Did you? And that's really? the whole reason why I uh, will opt out of anything with cucumber in it. Oh, man. Cuc- yeah. Man, fresh tzatziki sauce. Mm. I know. Oh, it tastes so really good. good. I just, I had such, and it had something to do with the fact that I probably drank too much that night. And it was, <laughs> listen, in my hometown, there well, is alcohol a state. Alcohol and dairy is not that. <laughs> In my hometown, there is a place. It's Rockford, Illinois. There is this uh, restaurant, and I use that term loosely. It's a, it's basically a side stand. It's a, it's, a, it's a thing downtown where uh, it's called Uncle Nick's. Okay, and Uncle Nick's is a euro stand, and you walk up and you get euros. And of course, you know after you've been in the bar, it's two, three in the morning. Blah blah blah. What do you want to do? You want to eat, eat something. Yeah, you want to eat. So you, you you go to Uncle Nick's, you get yourself a gyro, and uh, that's what I did. And, oh, my God, the next day, the hangover and, uh, <laughs> and the, the, the cucumber burps and all the other stuff coming out of me, it was like, it was, I'm surprised that uh, I, you know, that anybody married me at all ever because <laughs> after that I, I i probably still smell like uncle nick's euros after that it was disgusting i haven't noticed anything outside of your typical yeah it was aroma. like lamb and cinnamon <laughs> like weird no i haven't picked up anything like that nothing like that no. i don't know that new soap is working so, so uh, did, i don't know did, 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 you ever fi- did you ever find out who your uh, secret admirer is uh, i did okay so the big mystery the big mystery was it is the, the, the where the soap came from was my college roommate <laughs> had sent it to me. Uh, and when we were in college, Fight Club had come out and we had watched Fight Club. And uh, he's also a big James Bond fan. fan and he, uh, he, he has a, a life situation that is, uh, you know, been a little rough on him. So him and I have been on the phone a lot talking about that and working through some things. And as a gift, he decided to gift me the soap, which most people would think, oh, 
you know, soap. That's kind of like, you know, telling you to go wash your ass or whatever because you're kind of <laughs> gross. But uh, and then it wasn't that at all. He, he just really wanted to give me. And it, it, my first entrepreneurial venture was a soap company. So interesting. Yeah. We'll, we'll have to talk more about that in a later episode. Oh yeah, that is a whole thing. And 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 I t- I told Sarah I said whoever sent this to me knew me really well because it was Fight Club and it was soap and it was all the smells I like and all the things I like and and I lived with John for God, we were in I mean I I did 5 years in college. I wasn't the uh I didn't go through real slow or real fast like everybody else, you know, do the 4 years. I had to do 5 years. I liked it so much. I spent 5 years in college. <laughs> and uh and so uh we were together a lot and uh yeah. So he was sending a thank you. So John, thank you. I appreciate you. I love you. And also John I love that soap. And yeah, I'm Sarah obsessed is it. obsessed with the smell. And, and and I don't know if you remember me telling you this, Trent, but you remind me of John a uh, lot. Ah, you like John and I were really close. We were we were friends for very close friends for a long time. We still are. But, you know, of course, we live in different places now. Yeah, distance. Uh, a lot of distance. You even sound like him. But you also have a lot of the same, you know, he's a very smart person. He's an engineer. He's a, a, an, an architect. He designs and builds houses. He, you know, there's a lot of things about him. And you remind me a lot of him. And uh, and I think that's why the podcast works and all of that because, you know, birds of a feather, you know. I'm just glad that I can contribute positively. Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. I think you guys have a good back and forth. It's almost I, as if we've known each other for a long time. Really? Listening to the other episodes, I think you two are such a great fit conversationally. I love it. Well, thank and, you. And you're not alone. I was telling Trent uh, and James from Redbeard Ops in the last episode, actually in a private message, we were all kind of talking back and forth and um uh, we've got so much positive feedback on the on the podcast. It's it's people message me from all over the world are listening to this, and I I it, it blows my mind really. But I love the concept, and this is how Craig sold it to me. He said, you know, most people have to watch your videos. You know, they have to sit, they have to commit. You know, to visual and audio. You know, that's a big thing. But with podcasts. People can just turn it on in their shop. And while they're working, you're kind of there along with them. And it's a completely different space. It's a completely different modality of communication. And it's it's the truth. I mean, the, the amount of people that have reached out to me who have watched my YouTube videos over the years but didn't fully integrate, like didn't like comment a whole lot, and I didn't really know who they were, they're listening to the podcast and they're they're bringing up things we're talking about. So I know they're actually hearing what we're saying, which is again, blows my mind. That's awesome. I'm one of those consumer types though, where when I want content, YouTube is not going to be where I get it. I do not, for whatever reason, I'm just not a YouTube video person unless I need to fix something, look up how to do something. See, that's, that's like my wife. I'm not into it. My sister's the same way, not into it, but podcast, love it. Not to say that I don't watch and love your videos, which I do, and I do. I force you to watch them. <laughs> I turn them on on the TV. I'm like, hey, check it out. I just put out a new video. Honestly, when you left the house this morning, and I was homesick today. Um, I'm sorry. So, 
Oh, that's all right. I'm feeling a lot better. Yeah, that's I woke good. up to Sarah throwing up in the toilet. Oh my this god, morning. that is so not great. <laughs> it was <laughs> Thank gross. You. It was really gross. By the great way. imagery. Yes. <laughs> First, first time on the show, and you're just like, yeah, she vomited a lot today. And I'm trying to build anyway. up some empathy with the audience. I don't know if you've seen that, how I do that. But. I will just say I had a really severe piercing headache that started about yeah. 2 a.m. and is now starting to taper off. Yeah, it was oh. a migraine. I'm yeah. sorry. My, my, oh, mom, okay. my mom suffers from migraines. Those are the worst. It's, it's really bad. I get maybe two a year, so... And I, I don't take much time off of work. And today I was just like, I cannot look at a screen all day. So I, I took the day off. And um, so I'm, I'm sitting up in bed just kind of checking out the morning socials after Brian left. And for whatever reason, I clicked into your video of your your build. That's how, how long is that video? Almost two hours? Hour and 20? Hour 40. Hour 40. I started watching it. And I got so sucked into the video and it was like 10 minutes in and I'm just glued to you, you know, talking about your laser cut parts and everything. And then I get into the comments and people talking about like, oh, I think you should really do punch the holes differently in the in the sheet metal, because if you do them with a plasma cutter, it ends up being like this. And you're like, oh, thanks, man. I was like so into it. I, I can see how people get sucked into your videos, even if they're not particularly like interested in a grinder, even because... You know, what do I care about a grinder? I think it's interesting because you're passionate about it. And I like how you tell the story of building a grinder, but I'm never going to go looking for content like that ever. Just just so you know, I think you do need a grinder. I'm yeah. just saying. Everyone <laughs> needs what? a grinder. I got I a guy. Yeah. I have a grinder guy. I got a guy for that. Sharpened. Yeah, you got a guy <laughs> I got for a guy. Yeah, it, it was, uh, I had a little bit of an epiphany. I sharpen my pencils? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> that, it would do it you, in a hurry. It. Yeah, it would, <laughs> you, you wouldn't have a pencil left. But I, I had a little bit of an epiphany when we, we, we had uh, Devin and Dustin on from The Art of Craftsmanship. And I listened back to that episode. And then I also listened to their new podcast, by the way. So they, they have a new podcast out on the Makery Network. Uh, if you haven't listened to that, go out and find it. It's called The Art of Craftsmanship. And it is effing brilliant. It is so good. I, I called Dustin afterwards, after I listened to it, with, and I said to him, Dustin, I wanted you to hear my voice when I told you this. I could have texted it to him, but I, I just wanted him to hear it. I said, you are crushing it. You did such a great job. Those guys, and on their first episode, it was riveting. I listened to the whole thing. It was fantastic. It was just Dustin and Devin talking, their brothers. Anyway, go find it. It's not on any podcast platform, any major podcast platform. So anyway, Devin is talking about how much he loves uh, Adam Savage and uh, and. Uh, Adam Savage has a YouTube channel called Tested. And what I, you know, in my head, I I have the short attention span. So, like, I, when I watch a YouTube video, Squirrel. I want. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I want the, the person who is creating the content to get to the friggin point. I don't care about, you know, that you had to go to your dad's house to, you know, pick something. But if I'm watching a video about learning how to weld, you better dive in in the first 10, 15 seconds and show me how to weld because that that's kind of the viewer I am. And I, and I think there's a lot of viewers out there. Devin, on the other hand, he appreciates like what Adam was doing with all of his one day builds. 
where he got so passionate about any particular subject and he would dive into the minutiae of it. And I started thinking about that. And when I made the last video, which is this magnum opus of, you know, hour 40 of building this grinder and metal fabrication and all this other stuff, I started thinking about it like just kind of like that, you know, talk about how passionate I am about that subject, you know. Uh, I don't want to, you know, particularly be known as the two by 72 grinder guy, although that's what most people know me as. But um, I think of it in terms like there's so many little details in that build that people ask me about on a regular basis every day, 10, 15 emails about, hey, I saw how you did it this way. You know, why would you do it that way? And so on, you know, the motor, the electronics, and all that. When you dig into it, it's something I know an awful lot about and I'm super passionate about it, but I curb that enthusiasm for the subject because I figure everyone's like me. They just want to show, I just, they just want to see me like, you know, time-lapse the, the damn thing, you know, and just like build it. So in this last video, I used that same mentality that Devin kind of, you know, was passionate about with Adam Savage and I got into the minutiae and went into this is why this piece was designed this way yes it's not necessary you know the curvature of the hinge it's not necessary but it looks like a teardrop to me you know things like that like i get into that and i talk about it because a lot of engineers don't they I, don't they don't discuss it i they like don't to call, say why i like to call that an exploration and celebration oh i like that so lovely oh there's a, our third title for the podcast <laughs> i like drinks on the house to be perfectly honest i like I it think too that that i was prefer a that great. too <laughs> i think that's a winner right yeah. out of the gate yeah yeah drinks on the house cheers cheers i'm gonna take a sip of that yeah right take now. a sip of that wine do it oh no are you enjoying your creamsicle or what, what's going on with you I, uh trent i'm finished you gonna make another one? I, I would like to, but I don't know if we can pause or if you guys just want to chatter. It'd take me about a minute and a half to make a new yeah, one. Yeah, we can pause and grab it, grab a drink. Okay. Yeah, yeah, take a minute and we can edit this out. All right, I'll be sure. right back. Yeah, go for it. All right, so we've now refilled our glasses, refueled, and yeah, we we have refueled and used the restroom. So we're back, and uh, uh, thank you so much, by the way, if you're listening to the Work For It podcast. I know this isn't typical Work For It fodder, and uh, but part of working really hard is also enjoying your life too, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, having a cocktail every once in a while, enjoying your life. It's it's part of the process, and with quarantine being what it is. Um, you know, I have had some really good days and some really bad days. I've, you know, I've had just, you know, the myriad of emotions that kind of go along with, eh, you know, wondering where we're headed, you know, as a society, because, you know, there's so many uh, divisive things happening right now with politics and some people don't believe in the, you know, the pandemic and all that. I'm not smart enough to understand any of that. So I just choose to just believe the scientists and just go, okay, yeah, yeah, we have an issue and we're going to try to solve it. Um, but I'm also a capitalist at heart and I really truly believe in capitalism. And, and, you know, our economy right now is taking a huge hit 
and we're we're struggling a little bit. But um, one thing I do know about us as a people and Americans specifically, um, but a, a lot of other countries as well have this exact same philosophy, and that is we are the phoenix. We will rise up from the ashes. We will rebuild what we have lost, uh, and we will make it better than it was before. And I truly believe that is the case. So if you're if you're feeling like you know this is like the end all be all type situation, it isn't. We are very resilient species us bipeds you know as we wander the earth and all this is just uh, half time yeah you got it this is a pause Oh, i like that half time i like that too it's half time now uh one of the things that um trent and i you know over the the course of building this podcast we have kind of um sort of set the precedent for understanding that men are defined by our work. You know, we've talked a lot about that and um, you know, we see our value to society through our work and a lot of people are out of work right now. A lot of people are struggling with that. And um, what I would like to do is send a message and say that no matter what you're up to every single day, whatever you can do, contribute a little bit, you know, wake up and do your thing. Even if you don't have that quote unquote day job or whatever it is, find something you're passionate about and see if you can turn it into a micro economy for yourself. You know, um, uh, we were talking about Nick from, um, uh, Canada and he, uh, from pickle cutters. Uh, he's like one of these great examples of a guy who got furloughed and he was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to go and start a knife company. I'm just going to start making knives. And, uh, he dove in with both, uh, feet. he, um, bought an entire four by eight sheet of 51. Oh, I can't remember what he bought now. Is it that 5,100? The stuff that Jesse yeah. uses? I think it's, well, Jesse uses 80 CRV too. Oh, yeah. I can't remember what he bought. 5,190 maybe. I, I can't remember, but he bought an entire sheet of this and, um, and, and he, he just started cutting knives. You know, he started making knives and, and through the, he's built a relationship with me because he wanted to upgrade his grinder. That's how we met kind of, you know, and we started talking and, um, and, and, you know, he upgraded his motor, he upgraded his VFDs, you know, he's doing all these things to kind of improve his craft. And since we've talked, I mean, gosh, I've known him for maybe a little over a month. The guy's sold like five or eight knives. I mean, he's, he's booked, nice. you know, and he's he's generating income for his family. Is this something he did before he dove in? Did no. he have any experience? As far as I know, he had very minimal experience. I, I think he had just a, he had done maybe one or two knives. He had the this. desire and he had the drive and he went for it. Yes. It's awesome. It is awesome. And and that that goes to show you, like, if you really want something, you will go for it. That's you what you did. It. Oh, yeah, that's what I did. Yeah. So, Brian, do you, I lost my job. Do you mind if I step up to the pulpit for a moment? Do it. Okay. Absolutely. So, you and I have discussed uh, kind of the direction I, I ultimately want my channel to go. Uh, I kind of want to do a series of uh, videos that I call Leisure Craft. And it gets back to the root of what Brian was talking about. Uh, I, I understand especially with men coming from that point of view, because that's the point of view that I have. But I understand why we develop our identity or our identity is wrapped up in the work we do. But I want people to understand they are not their job. Their job does not define them. 
they're an individual and they get to define themselves. And part of leisure craft is what are you working for? If you're just working to keep up with the Jones, that's fine. I mean, that's if, if that's what you want to do, that's what you want to do. But for a guy like myself, the whole point of working hard, of busting my ass, busting my knuckles, sweating my balls off is so that I can have a better life for myself and my family. And part of that is taking the time to breathe, taking the time to enjoy the things I've built and the, the, the nest I've feathered and all the stuff that goes along with that. And so part of that is absolutely work hard. Uh, I don't have the same puritanical work ethic that Brian does, uh, but I do. No one does. I do absolutely understand. Uh, I've, I've done the nose to the grindstone thing for years upon years, and it took me burning out to realize um, that's, that's not what I want to be here for. Nobody's ever wanted uh, their epitaph on their uh, headstone to say, I wish I'd worked a little bit more or I wish that, you know, I'd I'd put in more overtime or or anything like that. I think my epitaph is going to be work for it. By the way, I'm going to oh send that. God. I'm going to send that out to the universe. It's going to be on my <laughs> gravestone. You we'll get that it. taken care of for you, Brian. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it'll and it'll like maybe like a finger emoji like pointing at you like work for oh it. Oh my god, you son of a bitch. Yeah, that'll be in, that'll be my last assignment from you. I'm I'm going to need a logo. <laughs> I'm going to need a logo for my gravestone. Like a With middle a finger. Oh my god. My, mine is uh, mine is probably more likely to be a middle finger. Um, <laughs> but yes. So, so my point with all this is that you know, follow your passion. If if you want to be the best balloon artist in the world, then work towards that. But my my point is have have a goal in mind about what you're actually working towards that isn't just this hustle and grind culture. I'm, I'm not trying to tear that down or argue uh, counter to what Brian says. I'm just saying, if you're going to grind, make sure it benefits you. Don't. J- if you're going to grind, make sure it's on a revolution. <laughs> two by oh nice. You got to sell it. I, uh, nice. I agree. This is this is I, a very personal thing for me because I've I've shared a little bit of this with Brian, but I'm going to share it with the audience. Uh, I used to work a very physical job the last three years that I was in the workforce, and like long hours. And on the, on the side, I had my side hustle, which is the business that I have now, and I was still trying to have some kind of semblance of. Uh, a, a family life and I can tell you that and it's it's because of damage that I've done to my own body but I can tell you uh, grind won't get you anywhere if you end up in a hospital bed well that that will be your destination and I'm not saying I know what's going to send you there or why it's going to send you there but for me the wake-up call was having a, a, a health emergency that made me reprioritize everything and um, fortunately, I was in a position where I had my job was pretty much gravy money. So I was socking away, you know, 80 percent of every paycheck and our, our bills were covered with everything else. I was buying tools when I had the opportunity, which is part of the reason why my garage and shed looks so disgusting, because I have a list 
of all the tools I've always wanted in a shop, of all the tools that I thought would benefit me, you know, going forward, because that was always the goal was to work for myself. Uh, I, di I didn't want to try to worry about investors or any of that stuff. So I was totally self-funded. I was not going to take the risk of taking a bank loan to start a business. I had to be entirely be self-funded. And after having it, because it wasn't just uh, mental burnout, it was physical burnout. Like I really impacted my health. Um, and then I, I started my business and, and it did pretty well. And then like I had always, I don't like working outdoors in the wintertime. And I've done a lot of that over my career. And uh, so I said, hey, you know what? I've got, I've got plenty of money in the bank. I mean, you can always have more, but I had plenty of money in the bank to, to get us through. And, uh, and that's not to take anything away from my wife. In fact, I, I want people to know that um, in a lot of ways, she's my sugar mama. Like she doesn't buy me tools, but she, you know, she has her own career and she earns her own money and she doesn't need me to take care of her and we help each other out. But for the last year, she has been very supportive and she has shouldered the burden of taking care of the, the household uh, fund so that I am able to grow this in the direction I want to. Um, so I, I've been extraordinarily blessed to have excellent family and friends who support me, who even when they don't understand my vision, they, they back my play and they're there to, you know, both, both vocal support and just little friendly gestures that really mean a lot. Um, so anyways, uh, Part of my problem was I had I mental illness is a really it's a really big deal that people don't want to talk about. And I understand the reasons why, but I like to practice what I call mental hygiene rather than getting sick. And then you need pills and you need doctors and this and that. I prefer to cleanse my mind, uh, to, to let go of the shit to when I'm starting to go down in a hole. Uh, I like to give myself a ladder, get back out of the hole instead of wallowing in it. And for me, uh, a big part of that is getting out in nature and doing the kinds of things that I like to do, just long hikes, long walks, spending inordinate amount of time with my dogs, doing activities that they like to do, uh, going and and doing things with my life, my, with my wife, the kind of things that she likes to do, and just getting out of my headspace, rather than than giving in to that demon that says that well, you know, either mental his, mental illness is this thing to be endured, or it's this thing that you know you're genetically hardwired that you know there's a likelihood you're going to get it, or here's a pill for that. I I I guess I self medicate with nature, and I'm not saying everyone has to do this, but for me. Nothing works better to get my mind right and get back to a point of of seeing the beauty and the richness that life has if we're able to get away from our own garbage. It's like your coping mechanism. Yeah. I mean, you're you, yeah. And, that, and that's it. so many so few people actually find that and learn how to use it. And I think that's the reason why we have so much mental illness in in the world. I mean, we 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 just don't have those 
those mechanisms in place or no one ever i think i think a big part of it is that we're distracted by a lot of things so people think you know i'll just put it away for a while you know i won't think about it for a while and i'll just i'll just make you know i'll just keep moving forward but the reality of it is is especially like like for instance like right now everything is different You've got quarantine. You got people just like sitting back and waiting and wondering what what you know what's the state of the world going to be like, and uh, it's easy to let your mind kind of run away and 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 take it into all these dark places. Mm-hmm. Uh, for for me, uh, my I think for a lot of people, my, Brian. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and 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 if for me, my coping mechanism with that is work you know i go to work with purpose and i i sit and then also uh my my job with housework you know doing the content creation you know making this podcast you know taking time for that taking time for the youtube channel um i every time i sit down and i make a youtube video i think this is going to be another thing that someone sits down and watches and hopefully it inspires them to do something positive with their day rather than uh, dig themselves deeper into a hole of, you know, thinking about, you know, uh, pandemic and whatever else. So uh, on the regular, I'm thinking about that. Uh, And, you know, it's the care that we all put into our work. And I'm in a unique position. Uh, you're in a unique position where, you know, people are some eyes are upon us, you know, it, it, and we have this this ability to take it in one direction or another. And my choice has always been purpose and passion and work and, you know, um, creativity and inspiration. Those are the things that I am focusing on, because in times of trouble, those are the things that, for me, got me through it. And that's, I, I realize that some people, that that is a totally tenable path to to take. I just want other people to realize out there that if if you're not one of those people who find salvation in work, you have to find the thing that works for you because the consequences are too grave if you don't. Yeah, because you can get sucked into yes. it and you can get to a point and I'm not saying a point of no return, but for some it becomes, people, unfortunately, though, it is. Yeah, you're right. And, 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 you know, I have family members that are dealing with mental illness and I think, you know, what could I do to assist them? Uh, and, and I, and I don't have the skill sets or the education to really fully do that. Uh, so I also think, Hey, this is my gift. My gift is to entertain, you know, like I, I like to make things, create things and create content and, you know, engineer and do whatever. But ultimately I'm an entertainer, you know, I, I like to entertain and, uh, make people laugh and, and, you know, through the things and then also through transparency, by the way, um, I, I truly believe like 
who the hell am I to like cover anything up? You know, like that's, you know, let's just talk about it. You know, let's, let, let, let's have a bottle of wine on a podcast and talk about, you know, whatever else is going on and not, uh, cover up, you know, or, uh, emasculate things and, you know, try to, you know, I'm, I'm fine. Everything's good. You know, we're going to be fine. Um, you know, no, you know, it's okay. You know, let's talk about it and let's like dig into it a little bit. And through that commonality, we can kind of see that we're all feeling the same thing and it's okay. The human condition is, it's this thread that exists in every single one of us and unites us. And I, I think that it's just, not only is it unhealthy, it's just not helpful to, to pretend like, you know, I'm special and unique. Like I don't, I, you know, I don't need to worry about things like mental health or like, identifying myself based on the job I do on the flip side, you know, if, if you come from a background where these are things you've worked hard to achieve, and that is part of how you recognize your, uh, not just your contributions, but like how you've risen up in this world. I'm not going to tear that down. That's, that's not, to me, that's not a sacred cow that needs slaughtered. I just want people to realize that, you know, the threat of human existence, they're like people. None of us are these unique, special snowflakes. But on the other hand, we're not one size fits all. And we're not we're not just cogs in a machine, you know? You're right. Everybody has a, a unique uh, sort of place in the wheel that is their generation. You know, if you think about your time on planet Earth and how minuscule it is you know how small oh, it is exceedingly it, small yeah, just a blip in the history of the world um you have a very small window of time to make a, a change or influence or or any sort of any sort of influence at all that you want to inflict upon the world whether it be good or bad you have a very small t- amount of time to do that um and most people will never actualize that, you know, realize that I, I, they will just uh, they'll just kind of it'll let them pass them by, mm-hmm. you know, and and, and that's that's the thing. It. Like, I didn't mean to take this dark and I didn't mean to, like, bring everybody down. I just I, I want to introduce the concept of mental health, uh, mental hygiene over yeah. mental health. No, that's good. Beca- because I, in the I, context I, I like that we that. use mental health, it's always the illness. We put the illness forward. If you practice mental hygiene, your mental health will stay good. Right. We we very rarely talk about like the maintenance of our mental being, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's something that we do need to focus on. In fact, uh, that's what housework was born from, because I had spent all these years building a business that uh, ultimately I didn't feel like I got much back from. You know, other than financial gain, I did not feel like my business uh, gave me much at all. In fact, it took for me. And I and I and I would argue with people, you know, people go, you're so, uh, you, you know, uh, fortunate. You're so lucky. Uh, you know, don't get me started on the whole luck thing. But, I, you know, they would say, you're so lucky. You've got this uh, this business and it's it's flourishing and everything else. And I would look and I'd say, but I hate it. I look at it. And I'm so annoyed by it. And I, I just I just feel like it's just stealing my youth from me. And, um, 
you know, it's feeding my family and it's giving us things that we didn't have before, but it's also robbing me of my true potential. And I, and I would become super annoyed by that. And, um, and still am at, at times I'm, I'm a, I'm a, really, I'm a toddler that likes to tantrum <laughs> about things and I stomp my feet and, uh, you know, uh, and I'm like, we're, I don't want to go and do another service call. We're, we're more alike than you know, Brian. Yeah. Yeah. I'm you have sure. great managerial skills though for a toddler. I can manage to get people to do things. Yes, yeah. that's true. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just, it's nice it's to hear. It's though. nice to hear Sarah chime in. <laughs> she makes fun of me here. on the regular, I, by the way. I do. She's like, oh, yeah, you're so, yeah. Well, why don't you cry me a river, you and your business, your oh, successful business? Stop it. You just can't, I, you get upset, and that's the flash in the pan part of it. And I know that that will fall away in a couple of days and you know you'll be back to it and back thinking about okay how can i change this how can i improve this and make it work better and work smoother so i can continue to dip out and do what i love yeah we we, we actually just had this conversation about brandon leaving and 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 uh the how i was throwing a tantrum about it and i'm so i'm standing so if you can imagine saturday morning <laughs> Like probably like eight thirty in the morning. I'm in the shower. It's a great start to the day. Yeah, and I'm like, this is my process. I just need you to know this is how I handle things. And she's like, I know your process. And I'm like, I have to just like melt down, and I have to get so heated about something. I get so annoyed and heated, and I'm talking. I'm like, you know, blah 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 blah. But you know, I'm just like hammering away at this. And now I got to hire another guy. And now I got to do this. And you know, you know, Brandon knows everything all the way down to you know, the way I like my coffee and everything else. And I'm like, I'm just, ah, it's just so annoyed. And I'm thinking to myself, this is all high class problems, by the way. You know, this these are things that uh, you know I should never complain about. Hashtag first world point- problems. Right? right. And also hashtag mantrum. Has that been coined? <laughs> because it was a total I, I love man that. level tantrum. My, my wife's going to love that, by the way. Oh, my God. And it was just like, wah, I have everything. And one thing is changing. <laughs> like, that's that was my viewpoint. But with my knowledge over the time we've had together yeah. on planet Earth, I have learned that my instinct to intervene in the tantrum needs to be managed because if I just shut up and I let him finish and that is really, really difficult for me to shut up and just <laughs> let him finish a huge tantrum that I disagree with like nine things in the middle of. I just need to ride the storm out and, you know, the sun comes out at the end of it. And Eventually I figure it out. Right. It's the second you go, you're right. Well, it's. I'm going to calm down. Yeah. Well, I'll calm I was going to say, now. it's just like when somebody's upset and you say, calm down, it never calms the situation down. Never works. It makes yeah. it worse. Yeah. That's a big, that's a big mistake. That's, that's a huge throwing, joke. Throwing the cinder block Have into the washing machine. <laughs> Have you ever seen that meme where that guy takes like the stabilizers out of the, out of the washer? Though, like there's like, and he said he has it outside, and the door is off, and then and then the the the, the, this person walks up with like a cinder block, and on the cinder block is written "Calm down," and then they and the washer is labeled "My wife." Yeah, my wife, and then he throws the the cinder block into the washer, and the washer just obliterates itself. It's the it's a fantastic meme. I love that meme, and that's exactly dead on accurate. It's dead on accurate. It's perfect. 
you have to let me absolutely tantrum. I don't know. For a few days. I, in, in, in any particular situation, this one has been going on for a while. So I'm like, you know what? It's the end of the world. I'm not going to be able to do what I want. I and throughout, I have helpful ideas like, no, it's going to be fine because you're going to post this job and you're going to get great candidates and it's going to be fantastic and you'll be able to level up and yet somebody's going to hit the ground running because the job market sucks and there's probably somebody great that just got laid off. And he doesn't want to have any of that nonsense. He no, I want to feel sorry for his myself. Mind. Of course. I, just like anybody does. They want to feel sorry for themselves. And that's what I do. And yeah. I'm a fixer. I want to fix. See, yeah. see, that's that's funny because I I suffer from the same thing Brian does, but not to the extent you do. I'm actually surprised to hear myself say that because my wife would not indulge a several day tantrum. She'd be like, okay, you need to find someplace else to go. Cause I am not going to tolerate your shit. But, but sometimes it's a, you know, I'll have two or three tantrums in a day and then Sarah's I'll have entire patient. weeks where like nothing, I'm pretty unflappable. Uh, but then like, I, I totally get what Sarah's saying because like when I, I, I am the classic guy. So when my wife vents to me, I'm sitting there tabulating all these responses like, I can solve your problem. And what I've learned is that she just wants me to listen. And then if she wants advice, then she asks for advice. So she'll vent. My job is to listen, to process, and then to reserve judgment until she asks for advice. Yeah, that's the best course of that action. That is the correct thing. Yeah, and I, the, yeah, it's it's my my need to solve your problem. And you and do a good fix, job of that, by the way. If like if you if you are unhinged about something, I have to help, and it's so hard to just shut up. Yeah, yeah and you do a great job about it. It's it's just that I have a history of being absolutely unmanageable like i cannot be told what to do or you know it's a classic entrepreneur's uh you know folly right we 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 don't listen to anyone everybody's a moron and uh, around us and we just don't you know you don't know what you're talking about like on a regular basis i could use that phrase you're a moron stop talking but i i i have learned that through you know time you know being 43 and all that that isn't typically the best way to handle people calling them a moron and so unless you just don't want them in your life anymore and then yeah you can burn a bridge it's it's definitely doable but what i've discovered is collaboration is by far the best method to solve issues you know to solve any problem and one of the biggest reasons and and you know sarah you can soak this up right now just turn it turn your ears on for two minutes yeah the biggest reason why I love my wife is that she fully understands what it takes to give me advice, to help me, and how to show me how to listen to that same said advice. It is is like, here's the advice. I'm going to show you. Hey, oh, remember, by the way, you trust me and you should listen to me because X, Y, Z. And it's tried and true. You have given me great advice over the years. I have listened to it and taken it and um, have prospered because of it. So uh, I love you. And I want you to know that. Thank you. That's awesome. Thank you. Oh, that's very sweet. It's, it's hard as a, as a creative person to not weigh in on every single thing you do because 
having a creative partner, I I thrive on collaboration too. I love working together with people. I, I can work by myself, but it's always he's he's motioning to me to get my face near the mic. <laughs> I'm not good at this. Yeah. Sorry. You'll pick it up. Okay. It's I'm trying to look at him, but he's not across from me. Um so yeah, collaboration is is a thing I love. And I see a thumbnail that he's designing for a YouTube video and I want to change it and I want to change the font and I want to move it a little bit. And it, it's, and he's just and like, I kick just, you out of my office. Yeah. Get out of here. And I don't like it, but, um, I've learned to just, you know, drop the weapon and back away because it's fine. It doesn't matter if it's the same amount of pixels from the top as from the left, because it's, it just matters that someone reads it and clicks on it. And, those those little details that normally would vex me to death at, in a work scenario, they they really don't matter, and um, it's hard for me to say, even say they don't matter because I feel like every pixel matters. Well, it just so the audience is aware of what you do. Could you explain to them what you do and what you've done for your living, what you do for work? Sure, sure. Um, I'm currently an art director at a financial technology company. So basically a graphic designer that does the website stuff, the print stuff, the internal stuff, um, the fun event stuff, trade show things. You're like the salesperson behind the salesperson. (laughs) Right. But without the knowledge of the salesperson, because I don't know anything about um, being a financial technology salesperson, but I have to understand what they're selling and uh, be able to translate that in a visual format. So anyway... I'm a graphic designer. I'm a very visual person. Um, I've dabbled in video and animation over the years. And so it's it's really hard for me to look at something Brian's working on and not want to add a layer of polish somewhere, um, some extra thing that would make it really cool. Well, if we added shadow here, what if we did this there? Um, but it's fine without it. It's great without it. It's perfect without it. So there's a there's a video that went viral on my YouTube channel. And it was, I built my first 2x72 belt grinder and I filmed it. And I can attribute the success of that video to about five seconds of video in the initial, like the first five seconds of that video where I'm carrying a box of steel into the frame and I'm setting it on the table. And what Sarah contributed to that video was a little piece of text that was uh, it was animated. A, yeah. It was ta- it was ta- tagged onto like a pixel of of the this video, and it followed the the box that I was carrying in, and it said, "Let's build a grinder." That was what it it said. That video has been watched over, I think now over a quarter of a million times. I don't know, maybe more than that now. And that is what gave my channel the two by seventy two belt grinder sort of push it that video so i i sort of if you want to you could boil down the success (laughs) of my of my work and even possibly the success of the revolution grinder project to you to tagging that you could but i'm a generally humble person and i wouldn't say that (laughs) (laughs) i I don't know because that was your idea right i mean it was 
It was just this 3D text tilt attached to the package. Done in After Effects. It just looks like it's floating above it. Dynamic shadow. It looked really cool. It was just one of those cool retail surprise and delight moments that you want the viewer to have where they're like, oh, that's awesome. You know what's awesome listening to you guys is it just reminds me of, you know, those, what's the phrase? Uh, Without being sexist. Idiot savant. No, without without being sexist, (laughs) it's that that whole uh, behind every great man is is a, great woman even better woman. yeah yes and and yes. and it's true and not just like in the sexist contact context but in the the successes that i've been able to achieve are because of my wife and her contributions you talk about that a lot yes and you give kudos to your wife a lot and and and, and that's the and thing i have I, zero problem when she needs an extra hand because uh, she has wonderful volunteers and, and interns but whenever she needs a hand with something or she needs uh if there's if there's like if i can give her a shout out or whatever i am always willing to give that to her because she has like like sarah said with you she has always had my back she has always had my best interests in mind and because of that i always have her best interests in mind uh not just so that things are smooth here at home, but because of what an amazing person she is. Like, I feel like not only my, my loyalty, but my, uh, my ability to influence a situation is best used to continue what we're both going towards. You know, does, does that make any sense? It makes total sense. And it, and the reason why any marriage is successful is because of that exact thing that you're describing. It's that when you call your the person you're married to, your spouse, a partner, mm-hmm. right? They are part of your life, but they are, you know, you are in partnership with that person. It is so true. Uh, you know, the there's a lot of failed relationships out there. We've all been part of them. And in a majority of them, that is, is that we didn't feel like the person that we were married to or the person that we were dating or whatever it might be, wasn't our full on partner. They didn't have our back, you know? Uh, and, and that's the thing with Sarah and I and, and you and your wife, it's like the, it's just the base gender roles have changed significantly in the last, uh, you know, few generations. Mm-hmm. We, we've, we've made this enormous shift where no longer do we have one person going to work and one person making the home. We just don't have it anymore. We have two people going to work essentially, you know, to maintain, you know, the keeping up with the Joneses, you know, the whole thing. And, and if you look at uh, that as from the standpoint of what that does to the dynamic of a family is it now places the burden of making the monetary funds, the financial end of things, uh, you know, on both of the parents, both the woman and the man. And granted, that was something that came along with the women's lib movement. And and that's what, something that women wanted. They wanted equality and we were willing to give it to them. And, and you know, over the years, it's, you know, some men have, you know, struggled with that. You know, they don't want to give that up or whatever. But, but over time, 
I think we have now the modern man, the modern uh, uh, person has seen the benefits of what that looks like. You know, we truly now have partners in women and men have partners in women and women have partners in men that are are, are 50 50. Um, however, there are a lot of relationships that are not 50 50. You know, these these people who are struggling with this and they you know, there's people who are glomming on to other people and they're, you know, doing the thing. It, 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 it doesn't work. You know, it may work in the beginning, but it won't work over time. And. Uh, something that I have uh, always wanted is a relationship like the one I'm in. Uh, Sarah understands the entrepreneurial spirit. Her father is an entrepreneur, has been for most of her life. Uh, and uh, him and I get along very well. And it's because we have the same mindset. We are true entrepreneurs. We cannot work for someone else. It is impossible you just cannot put me into a into that world. it was it was um, a yoke that chafed me for 20 years yeah and and, and it drove you crazy didn't oh but that's it i i can attribute yeah. easily 95 percent of my bad moods to me trying to subordinate to my myself oh, yeah. to someone else of course me too i was so depressed when i was working for someone else it just didn't make sense for me and uh, so when I when I met Sarah and I met her family, it just felt like home. It felt like everything uh, was in its right place. And now even continuing these new ventures that I'm doing uh, and, and, you know, entrepreneurism, it can be uh, it, it can be building a computer repair business. It can be building a soap soap business. It can be doing grinders or whatever. It's all the same concept. You know, it's building relationships with people and and creating a good product and servicing that product and all of that. And uh, as long as it, it, uh, I will reference Tommy boy here, it's only as good as the person behind it. You know, I can take a dump in a box and I can slap a guarantee on it, but it's only as good as the guy who, you know, guarantees that thing. And uh, it's still that way, even in our, our Internet culture where, you know, we're buying things from China and reselling them or whatever it is. It's only as good as the guy behind it. So whatever you do buy, whatever it is, uh, make sure you know the guy behind it. And, and in my head, the closest, the be most beautiful way to do that was through YouTube, you know, building a social media presence and, you know, sharing my passions with people. And when I did that, it was a, just like a, a deluge of, of people supporting me. And because they knew that they, you know, there was some trust that was built there. And then all of the relationships that were built there. And that's all because I had a good team behind me. And, you know, I have the guys that work with me at work and then, and then Sarah here helping me build my, my marketing and all that. And, uh, and, you know, of course, you know, guys like Craig Lockwood who approached me and says, you know, Hey, I want you to come join our network. You know, those aren't things that are by accident. You know, they're, they're things that were noticed because they can, they can sense that, you know, I'm onto something or, or that we're working towards something great, uh, and that I'm going to always stand behind it no matter what I do. And, uh, and that's, uh, you know, why we call this podcast work for it. You know, we're working for it every day. Absolutely. I just want to say, Sarah, as as a fellow maker and a fellow man and a fellow entrepreneur and all of that, I appreciate 
the relationship you have with Brian so much because it's just, I don't think it's valued highly enough in our modern life. And I have to say, uh, never were truer words spoken than when somebody says marrying well is the greatest indicator of your success in life. I married up, hands down. <laughs> I married pretty well. You're a gem. That's what counts. Mm -hmm. Amen. Hey, I love you. I'm I'm that uh what's that fake gold stuff? I'm like pyrite? Uh, <laughs> Iron pyrite. pyrite. I'm pyrite. Yeah. You're fool's gold. I'm shiny. <laughs> oh shiny. God. I'm shiny, but you know. That makes me the idiot. Uh, it makes <laughs> I me guess kinda, it is what it yeah, is. yeah, you know. That metaphor was not very good. Course correction. I'm three quarters of a bottle of wine in on this podcast. We're two two hours in on this right, thing. Right, right. You can't expect me to be witty. And you know the what? We didn't. Time. We didn't even really talk about food or cooking. No, much. we did. How did you? No, oh, I you feel like we talked yeah. about restaurants. We talked about we, restaurants. Yeah, we did. Yeah. And okay. chimichurri sauce. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I will. I will tell you. And scallops that were not that good. Right. We we kind of bitched about restaurants for a half hour and then moved on. Yeah, I'm. So I'm I really bad about getting Brian on tangents. Oh, I live this podcast in a tangent. Should be called tangent. <laughs> it, That's it, by the way. My our life should be called tangent. Work you are, for you are a tangent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will tell you, Trent, that Brian is the cook out of the two of us. And I don't know if his, if it's just his exacting drive to wanting what he wants and needing to make it combine. Well, yeah, I guess it's that combined with that I don't like to cook, and when I do, something typically goes wrong. Or you burn yourself. Yes. I don't, I mean, I used my oven in my house before Brian and I met. I used it as storage. I would just put stuff in there, <laughs> like clothing, like stacks of sweaters and I opened pants. her oven and no shit, there was, there was clothes in there. <laughs> it's, the, it's a huge unused cabinet and I did not have that kind of storage in, in the closet. I, I opened it up and I was like, what the F is this? <laughs> what is going on? Right. So... I it wasn't bright, but I used it for storage. Well, I have to say, my wife, she's the baker, and she does amazing desserts. Uh, I do most of the cooking, uh, not because she's a bad cook. It's just I am particular. Uh, but as one of the things I love is because of who she is and the quality of person and she is and how much she gives everyone else. It's one of the small ways that I can pay her back is feeding her delicious food for dinner or lunch or whatever. And that it's, is so sweet. It's just a way of, you know, like I grew up in a family where like food is how you express love. Yeah. Me too. Same here. Yeah. My mom yeah. out of control. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sandra. She is like, she cooks and it's like a force. Yeah. A dozen people can show up unannounced and she will have three courses ready in an hour with a full on dessert and appetizers. The yeah. Whole and thing. talking and pouring cocktails the entire time. She is yeah. an amazing hostess. And my daughter, um, her granddaughter jokes that she's trying to make us obese because she's always baking something amazing. She makes handmade pasta. I mean, yeah, I she's trying to make us fat. I mean, it is what it is. You just got to see how that, you know, how I see it. I My mean, daughter's like, you're going to make me obese. Eat, eat. You're so skinny. Exactly. Look at you. Look That's at you. my mom. You're eat skin something. and bones. Yeah. 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 You're skin and bones. Meanwhile, we're like, you know, 
I got my muffin top going. I got my pencil <laughs> stuffed underneath my not, fat roll. <laughs> Sandra, what are you doing? It's, it's no the roof for the tool storage. shed. I keep telling you. That's oh, it, man. that's horrendous. That's it. <laughs> Well, listen, we are uh, at two minutes or two hours, I should say, and 12 minutes into this podcast. Uh, and uh, we truly appreciate you listening. Thank you so much uh, for following along with the Work For It podcast and housework on YouTube and the Makery Network. And if you haven't already gone out and looked at the Makery Network, uh, I always like to say um, I'm swimming in a sea of podcasts and I don't know what to listen to when I'm working in my workshop. And uh, this week, I have been listening to well I always listen to Knife Talk because I just love those guys they have such a great rapport amongst each other um, and that and then also uh, the Handmade Podcast with Derek from Alden and Chris Zepp and and um, and 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 then uh, Jeremy at Simple Little Life. I mean, he's pumping out fantastic content, and it's all part of the Maker Network, Makery Network. And it's and it's it's because Craig has put together a whole bunch of people who have come together to kind of do this work together. And uh, you just kind of know that you're going to get quality or at least something that you want to listen to while you're working in your own workshop. Um, and I love that about the Makery Network. So go out to to makery.network and check out what they've got going on and, and i almost forgot the art of craftsmanship i know i mentioned them earlier but they joined in on the on the network recently and dustin and devin have put together a fantastic fantastic podcast uh so go out and listen to that as well and uh you know other than that i want to uh encourage everyone who is out there listening right now to uh take whatever it is that you want to do with your life and take a step forward and move towards that goal because ultimately we're only here for just a small smidgen little bit of little bit of time on planet earth and uh and go and grab it and work for it and we truly appreciate you thank you so much for listening trent yes sir i appreciate you brother i love you i want you to know how much i love you and um i can't wait at some point in our lives where you and i get a chance to go hike up that mountain together and uh and see the things that you've seen and then obviously you come down to my level which is sea level (laughs) and uh enjoy uh what we have here in florida and float around uh and maybe do some fishing and then um and as always uh sarah thank you for joining us today uh, it was great to have you on the podcast it was really fun thank you thank you all right guys right back at thanks you, so Brian. much hey man all right listen work for it and uh and also by the way go out and check out uh, what trend is doing on instagram and on youtube he has a channel uh called 307 driftwood just uh if you type that into instagram or youtube it will come up he's doing unboxing videos and he's making you know he's he's making a go of the content creation thing and i love uh his insight so if you like him on the podcast you're gonna love his youtube and instagram feed so go find him there and, and as always guys I want you to know that every single day I will continue to work for it as long as you will. My name is Brian House, and this has been Work For It. Bye, guys. See you later. If you like this show, take a look at our other shows made for makers just like you at www.makery.network. Sick
of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.